friends, it's Haley Hines, aka Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and GTB listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash give them the bird. You've maybe heard of BetterHelp. It's customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You all know I'm a huge advocate for therapy, and I'm lucky to have a long-standing therapist who I meet with regularly, but that was not always the case. I remember before having decent insurance that I had to stop going to therapy because it was so costly out of pocket. Luckily, BetterHelp is way more affordable than what I was paying. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There are a broad range of expertise available, which may not be available locally depending upon where you are located. So if you're looking into affordable therapy options and are open to online, check out betterhelp.com slash give them the bird for 10% off your first month of therapy. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash give them the bird. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Give Em the Bird. This is Haley, aka Bird, and on today's episode, I'd get to chat with Erin Boggs. Erin is a style and body image coach devoted to helping women embrace their bodies and find authentic ways to express themselves through style. She aims to help women reject the damaging messages of the diet industry and recognize the problems with societal beauty standards. She wants her clients to feel good about getting dressed every single day. Erin is married to her sweet and loving spouse, and she is a very happy dog mom to a big lab and a little dash hound. Erin and I cover a ton of ground in this episode. We talk all things body image and style and finding comfort in the clothes you put on your body. Erin tells us about her own body acceptance journey and how she found intuitive eating, which ultimately led her to becoming a body image and style coach. We talk about the intersection of diet culture and clothing and how we are often taught to use clothes to make our bodies fit some sort of ideal rather than finding clothes that make our bodies feel good. Erin shares tips on how to find your own personal style and how you can use your clothes to get creative and much more. You'll hear me mention at the end of this episode that this interview really felt like a coaching session for me. It both inspired me to get creative with my own wardrobe and reminded me to put comfort above all else. So much so that I actually cleaned out my closet a couple days after recording, and I have finally gotten rid of two pairs of dress pants that I've been trying to squeeze myself into for the last year since before the pandemic started. I really gained a lot from this episode, and I hope you do too. Before diving in, just want to remind you that if you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to head on over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. This is a super easy way to support the podcast, and it helps me bring on more amazing guests just like Erin. All right, without further ado, enjoy my conversation with style and body image coach, Erin Boggs. Welcome to Give Them the Bird, Erin Boggs. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Haley. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped to reconnect after... We met the first time and we got to talk about bodies and diet culture and all of that. I'm so excited to have you back on. Like I just mentioned before we started recording, your topic area, which we are going to dive deep into, is so relevant for GTB listeners. 
but it's not something I have expertise in. So I'm so happy to bring on an expert, like somebody that actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to like style and dressing ourselves and all that. So this is super cool. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Before I run off on all the topics, give us an introduction of who you are. Tell us all about you. Sure. So my name is Erin Boggs. I live in Virginia with my husband and our two dogs. We have a big black lab and a little long-haired dachshund. I'm a style and body image coach. And then I don't know, Haley, if we talked about this, but I also work as a speech language pathologist part-time. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So for all of you multi-passionate people out there, I just encourage you to, you know, pursue the things that you love and don't feel held back by a full-time job or one career path. You totally can pivot and incorporate different things into your life. You can definitely make it happen. Yeah. (laughs) Did you, did you start where you originally like full-time in speech pathology and then went part-time or how did that work? Yeah, that's right. I was, and I, speech pathologists can work in a lot of different settings and I work with the elderly. So you couldn't ask me to be doing really two uh, more different things. So it's so fun though. (laughs) That's amazing. And talk about like probably decreases the risk of burnout too. When you get to go from like one job working with one population, doing one thing to something completely opposite. Exactly. And I feel like I don't get bored. There's so much variety in what I do and the people I work with. So it really keeps me on my toes. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I get to work in my full-time job. Um, I get to work with college students, which I, I, I focus on the same stuff, but I freaking love college students. But then here with the podcast, um, I, we speak, I speak more to like 25 to like 34 year old women. So more like adult women. Um, (laughs) and they jive with me too, which is cool. But yeah, I, so I can totally like relate to the change in population and it just being a a fun little switch up. So that's super cool. I love that fun fact. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me more about, um, I want to start out just by asking, how your definition of like what it means to be healthy and fit has changed kind of across your lifespan. Because one thing that I love to do on the podcast is, is challenge what it means to be healthy and fit, right? Like so often we think that healthy and fit is equivalent to a certain body size or certain things. And I have learned over the years that that's not the case. So I, I just love to hear um, how your perspective on what it means to be healthy and fit, if it has changed at all over the years, and if so, how? Yeah, that's a great question. So I feel like it does change so much over your lifetime. Um, And especially growing up in a culture that's so saturated in weight loss and dieting, that was probably what influenced me most when I was young. So it kind of went from just being this kid who would go outside and play and have fun and not really think about health or my weight or anything like that to suddenly noticing when people were on diets or see the slim fast commercial or the weight watchers points and think, Oh, that I almost equated it with being morally good. You know, people who are healthy are good. And that means they're at a certain weight. Right. And so I think there is this idea in our culture that you can look at someone and know if they're healthy or not, and there couldn't be something more wrong. Right. It's just, it's sad to think about that's what we equate health with is the way our bodies look. Um, and, and I'm really delving into more and more about how that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Right. 
and health at every size has become really a big part of my life and intuitive eating is a big part of my life. Um, and so I think throughout my like adolescent years and in high school and things, um, I pursued a lot of dieting and diet culture things. Um, I was really obsessed with like how much I was eating and how much I was exercising and not pursuing it from a place of wanting to move my body to feel good, but actually just to change the way it looked. Um, and so through thankfully my experiences with intuitive eating, I really have taken a more holistic standpoint of health and fitness and what it means to incorporate not only my physical body, but also mental, emotional, social rights so or relationships, um, sexual health, spiritual health. That's all a part of like who I am. And when I nurture all of those areas, I feel so much better mm. than when I'm just thinking about how many calories I've consumed or how many calories I burned. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that there's so much more to health than just the physical stuff. Like I think when we think about yeah, health, we think of diet, exercise, and maybe sometimes people bring up like going to the doctor <laughs> and, <that's laughs> and, you know, depending upon, cause I work in health promotion, obviously we've talked a lot about like the six or eight different dimensions of well being. It depends on like what you're looking at, if it's six or eight, but it, like you mentioned environmental and occupational, intellectual, mental, like there's so much more to think about. Um, and so I love that that's something that you've learned, you know, over the years. And definitely continue to learn as well. Cause I, you know, it's, it's so pervasive. Like diet culture is, you know, it's been a part of my life for so long that I still have to remind myself that this is not the focus, right? We, I need to look at the bigger picture and I don't need to feel bad if I, you know, skip a workout or have a rest day or I don't sweat during the workout. Like there is so much more to it. Yeah, it is. It is something that you do constantly have to remind yourself of, or I should say that I do too. Even like when I'm trying to get healthier, whatever, for whatever reason that pops into my head to get healthier, I still typically go to what I'm eating and how I'm moving. And it's like, mm. what about who I'm surrounding myself with and how I'm budgeting my finances <laughs> and all those things, you know, it's like, cause I think, I think a lot of it comes down to like stress too. And you know, our mental well-being and the behaviors that we're doing, if they're adding to our stress or if they're helping alleviate our stress. Um, and that might be for me too, because I have anxiety. So like stress is a, it just controls me. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and that's why I'm so thankful to have found practices like yoga and meditation and things that have changed the way that I think about you know, relieving stress and also about moving my body. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So how did you get introduced to intuitive, intuitive eating? Cause you mentioned like middle school, high school was kind of like a diet culture period in your life. So how did you, what, yeah. What, how did you learn about intuitive eating? Yeah. So definitely the, even late elementary school into middle school, high school, I just had all these thoughts about how I needed to shrink my body and make it smaller. And kind of similar to you, I didn't grow up in a family where we talked about dieting a lot. Like I, I'm very thankful for that. And that's like a big privilege in my life that, you know, no one was commenting on my body size or shape at home, um, but it was still part of the culture. And then I also played on a, a travel soccer team 
for probably like middle school into late high school. And just the way that my birthday falls, I was the oldest girl on the team. And in addition to that, I hit puberty really early um, and, and not many of the other girls did. And so I always just felt like I was the biggest girl, you know, and I just carried so much shame around being like bigger than everyone else. Um, and so I think it just got ingrained in me that I was a big person and I was probably the biggest person in the room, no matter where I was. And uh, it was just really hard. Um, and so when I got to college, I just started kind of realizing like these beliefs that I'm having are hindering me from living the life that I want. And they're really messing with like my self-confidence and my ability to make decisions about what I want to do. Um, and not just feel like I need to hide or shrink. Uh, so I actually first sought out counseling through our on-campus services, which can be great and like a wonderful resource. I just happened to have a very negative experience uh, where I had this male counselor recommend that I try the Atkins diet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so oh. it was not great. He had said, you know, maybe try that, or I could try drinking more hot tea. And maybe that would help with my, you know, disordered oh. eating behaviors. So uh, thank goodness I had the courage after that awful experience to then go on to seek help from a registered dietitian. Wow. And again, another blessing was that she knew about intuitive eating and she was the one who introduced me to it. And so we went through that program together. And wow, I owe that woman like a thousand thanks because mm. it totally transformed my life and the way that I think about my body. Mm, yeah. I want to go back to what you were saying about, um, feeling like you were the biggest person in every room. I, I don't remember if I shared this with you the first time that we connected, but, um, I have an, actually an episode on self-objectification where I don't know if you've heard of the book, um, more than a body by Lindsay and Lexi kite. Oh my no. gosh you would freaking love it. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. I highly recommend it. Um, and it might still be on sale. It was on sale, but they're twin sisters, PhDs, brilliant humans. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, but they talk about like this self-objectification and how, um, we are constantly seeing our body from like an outsider's point of view. Mm. And I, when I read that in the book, my mind was blown because like you, I also hit puberty. I was one of like three. And again, I'm from a very small town. So I had like 70, you know, kids in my class, but one of like three girls in my class who hit puberty and in our sixth grade, um, like award ceremony, we're all standing in a line and it's like <laughs> flat, 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 big spike for me, flat, flat, <laughs> flat, big spike for another girl. And I just remember thinking like up until I was in college, I would re refer to myself as like a chubby kid. Mm. And I just had like, my perception of myself was so skewed and what I thought other people saw me as was so skewed. Um, so I can totally relate to always feeling like you were the biggest in the room, regardless of who was there and regardless of what, you know, your body looked like and just that obsession or like intense focus on what we look like. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it's so for one heartbreaking that you had that experience with a counselor, um, and Thank God for the registered dietitian that led you to intuitive eating because yes. it's, it's amazing. What have you, what have you learned from intuitive eating? Like if you could 
sum up what some of your big takeaways are. I know this wasn't on the outline. I'm really throwing it, throwing you for a curve. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's how great. Would, how would you, what were, would you say are some of like your, your big nuggets or takeaways about intuitive eating? For me, it was all about a sense of freedom and the sense of reading the book and thinking, wow, I thought I was the only person who felt like this, right? Because I didn't really, I didn't talk about, you know, this kind of stuff with my friends. I didn't say, wow, I feel like I'm overweight. I, it was all just very internalized shame. Um, and a lot of that self-objectification, like you were talking about, where I would just think about what other people thought of me and not really talk about it. Um, so it was my first experience of being like, oh, other people feel like this too. Um, but definitely some of my biggest takeaways were the fact, first of all, that I did not have to weigh myself anymore. That was like, I, I blew my mind. I was like, wow, was, is that an option? <laughs> like, don't I have to? <laughs> right. Doesn't everybody, you know, doesn't that, isn't that something I have to keep track of? Um, so that's been seriously, like one of the best, <laughs> one of the best habits I've kept up with since, since, uh, first reading the book. Um, and then I would just say the freedom that comes with not having to think about food all the time and instead just really trying to tune in and listen to my body, um, and to not regulate so much. So saying, well, I really want to eat, you know, those Oreos, but what could I have instead, you know, <laughs> um, which is what kind of got me in a bad place in the, in the first place. So I just feel like the freedom that comes with the intuitive eating program is what I've taken away. And I still continue to, you know, work on that sort of lifestyle of tuning in, listening to what I want. And then the same thing with movement. So saying, you know, do I want to do something strenuous today or do I just need to you know, stretch through, go through a yoga flow. Um, would I benefit from doing something more fun, you know, going for a bike ride or going swimming. Uh, so just opening my mind to having a, a different way to live, I guess that was so different than what I had been living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the freedom that you mentioned that I feel like from everybody that I've talked to about intuitive eating, like freeing or freedom is what comes up. Like it frees up so much mental capacity to think about other things or just, you don't feel like held down by a calorie counter or a mm -hmm. scale. Um, so I, yeah, again, I can really relate to that sense of like, just so freeing. Like, I feel like I have so much more time <laughs> and like, yeah, like, yeah. So much more. I'm trying to think of the word, like capabilities. I feel like, like I can do so much more now that I don't have to track everything or do right. a specific type of movement. So yeah. Or even try all the new diets. Like I, I can easily just see that and say, well, that's clearly not for me because I ate intuitively. So yes. Yeah. I don't have to try like the hot dog diet or the soup <laughs> diet or all these, like I was just with two of my college roommates last weekend, I think it was. And we were talking about like, Oh, all the, like, Ooh, the diets that we would do. Like, I remember one was a military diet and it was like, you eat one raw hot dog and then like a can of tuna. And there was like a bunch of oh weird, just weird stuff that you ate with it. So I agree. It's like so much more freeing to not have to, yeah, try to track all that stuff and follow the diet. So I love that. Mm -hmm. So then I'm curious how, because obviously that's all connected to the work that you do um, as a style and body image coach. So I'm curious, how did you get into doing this? Like what led you there? 
Yeah, that's a really good question because I was similar to you. Like I didn't necessarily consider myself like a stylish or fashionable person when I was growing up. Um, I would always admire people who were very like savvy shoppers or they were very confident and had like a developed personal style. Uh, but I just, in my mind, it was like, that's for other people. It's not for me. And because of all of these thoughts I already had about my body and being large style or clothing really for me was the purpose was to hide and to, especially the parts that I didn't want people to see, uh, to shrink and to look small. And so that's a really like not fun way to live, <laughs> especially if you have to get dressed every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very joyless. <laughs> it's nice so. now when a lot of us are still working from home, like <laughs> wear my PJs all day, but yeah. Right, right, right. Back in the day, we had to go to work and go yeah. to school. <laughs> um, so I just, I think that for me, understanding how the way that I dress my body is an outward expression of how I feel about myself it was like a piece of the puzzle to my, you know, body image and body acceptance journey. Um, and I was, I think too, I just kind of realized maybe it was that same kind of feeling of freedom where I was like, I don't have to be crying in dressing rooms anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't have to go and, and be so frustrated because I don't fit into the same size that I used to. Like I can give myself permission to wear whatever size is going to fit and have fun and feel good about what I wear, right? So it just brings me so much joy to, to add that into my life and to make that a, a purposeful, you know, intentional part of my day. Mm. Yeah. What you mentioned of how I, I feel like I don't have style. I, I mentioned that before we started recording, but I think no. I've, <laughs> I've said it, I've said it before too. Like, I just don't feel like I have good style. Like my style is like wearing black, white, maybe like some, some green in there every now and then, like <laughs> very just like simple, casual, comfortable kind of things. But what you just mentioned about, like, maybe that's like, I wonder too, for me, if I feel that way and getting dressed feels so difficult because part of my head is still wrapped around this, like, okay, well, accentuate the parts of you that are the smallest, make mm -hmm. sure that you have something that, you know, it long in front, short and back, like tight here, loose there. Like, mm -hmm. I wonder if that restricts my clothing options so much versus just like, I think about in the intuitive eating book, they have the challenge of like, get dressed with your back towards the mirror so that you don't see yourself. Yeah. Notice how you like feel in the clothes first and then turn around and decide if you, you know, base it off of that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having this like mental revelation right now where I'm like, <laughs> this is why I feel like I don't have good style because I base it on all these rules that like diet culture and beauty standards and, you know, the fashion industry tell me that I need to, instead of just wearing what feels good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel like there is such a close tie to diet culture and then the things that we put on our body, right? And that even the images we see on social media or on the television, you know, in the magazines, that still influences us. And even for me, who, you know, coming out of, or, you know, finishing the intuitive eating book and knowing that that was going to be part of my life, it wasn't immediate that I thought, oh, I can also change the way I feel about my clothing. Like, I do feel like that took time for me as well. 
and then realizing, okay, actually these go together, <laughs> you know, like this can be all part of how I celebrate my body and celebrate who I am. Mm, yeah. I want you to talk more about the overlap between like clothes and diet culture, like what you were just talking about. Cause when you said that the show, what not to wear popped into my head. <laughs> like I just thought about that show and how I learned that my body shouldn't wear horizontal stripes because of that show. Like I used to watch it on TLC. <laughs> it was channel 44 in my little small hometown like that. I watched it. Um, and so I, I think you're totally right. Like it, it absolutely overlaps and intersects. So I want to hear more from you, somebody that has way more background in the fashion and style side of things. Like <laughs> what kind of comes up for you when you think about that? Yeah, I think that we do put a lot of rules out there for, especially for women, right. Uh, for what we put on our bodies. And the big question that I try to come back to is who decided that this was the rule. And then once I figure that out or come to that conclusion, um, I decide, is that a rule that applies to me or that I want to apply to my life? And it's funny. I used to love that show as well. Channel 47 in my hometown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to watch that. And then there was a show called, I think it was called a makeover story or something like that. Very similar show. Um, and I feel like the idea behind it is great because our clothing does have power and the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we dress, right? That has power over what we think of us. But there was a lot of, you know, rules, I guess, that they would talk about as far as areas to hide or to kind of, you know, cover. <laughs> so the message was, the underlying message is still there, which is, there are parts of you that are not attractive and you need to hide it. And so it all, and so then, you know, it ties back into this idea of diet culture and this need to change our bodies to shrink um, and to fit into a certain ideal body instead of just celebrating who we are. And in intuitive eating, they talk about, you know, you dress for your here and now body. You kind of forget about those clothes that are two sizes too small that you want to fit back into and that you're waiting for the day when your body's small enough. Like you just need to get those out of your closet because this is your life. Like you don't know, you don't know that you're even going to be promised tomorrow. So why waste time waiting to dress the way that you want when you're living your life right now? Mm, yeah. And why waste time being trying to fit in a clothes that are uncomfortable? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or squeezing into those uncomfortable clothes and then thinking about your body the entire time that you're in them versus yes. with the people that you're around and experiencing, exactly. you know, the things that you're doing. Yeah. I actually talked about that with a, another guest speaker I had in our, in my course about body image and style and how those things all tie together. Um, and she has a blog post where she talks about the reason why she decided not to wear a bikini this summer. And at first, you know, you might think, oh, like, if you're, if you really accept your body, you'll wear a bikini. <laughs> but her point in the whole article was, I notice when I'm wearing the bikini, I'm thinking much more about myself and my body than just simply being present in the moment. Wow. And so that's another way. It's almost like you go from one end to the other. So diet culture might be telling you, you've got to, you know, look a certain way. These are the clothes you wear. You do not wear these types of stripes or these types of shorts or so on and so on. You've got to hide these parts of you. 
And then on the other end, you think, oh, well, when I'm completely accepting of my body, I wear as little as possible or I show up everything. But really what it's about is connecting to you and figuring out what is going to feel good on your body and in your mind and what thoughts are going to support the life that you want to live. Mm, I love that. It reminds me of like, I talk, I think about it a lot with, I mean, with food or with fitness, how it's like, we start on one side and it's super restrictive. And then the pendulum swings the complete opposite side. And it's like, F it all, like I'll eat (laughs) ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I never, you know, I'm going to move my body. And, and I had a, um, episode with, um, Alex Schmidt from nourishing babes. She works with like moms who are raising, um, healthy eaters essentially. So having babies and, um, (laughs) she talks about how with her experience with intuitive eating, she's a registered dietitian that she found she almost needed to swing to that complete opposite side in order to find like her middle ground, like her happy medium. Um, so what you mentioned, like totally aligns with the way I view, that like pendulum metaphor or whatever it is, you know, when yeah. it comes to food and fitness too. So I right. love that. I can see that totally with, with style too. So, and I'm, I'm curious then how, how do you go about finding that like personal style, that middle mm. ground, like listening or f- doing what feels best for you? Like, how do you even go about doing that? <laughs> Cause yeah. I, clearly, I have a long ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I feel like this is something that a lot of people that I work with struggle with. They'll say very similarly, you know, I don't really have a personal style or I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Uh, and so I, I've heard a lot of different ideas as to ways you can get started. So some people will talk about, you know, going through magazines, maybe cutting out pictures. You can make a style inspiration board on Pinterest. Um, There are visualizations you can do kind of thinking about, you know, what you, who you want to be in the future and what that person is wearing. You can do like meditations around kind of tuning in with your body and what it wants to wear. But for me, I think the best way that you can start to develop your sense of style and then continue to evolve it is just by trying, just try something different. I would just, I'd like to challenge people to go next time they go shopping, pick out three things that you would never wear that you would be like, no, I absolutely not. Would that would be an absolute no for me. And just go try it on. Like you don't have to buy it. I'm not asking you to take it out of the store, but just go put it on because that is the best way to figure out what you like and what you don't like. And not only is it going to make like you're going to learn so much, but you're also going to laugh because you're going to put stuff on and you're going to be like, I look ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you might, it's also going to be full of surprises because you'll be like, oh, I would have never expected that I like this, but hey, guess what? I really do. Um, and so when you're first getting started, you might have to pick more than three things just to really get the ball rolling. Um, but I definitely encourage just experimenting, getting out there and, and trying some new things. That's fun. Like that's that's a lot more fun, right? <laughs> that sounds so fun. <laughs> and with without the commitment of having to like spend the money and purchase something, like just go experiment and try it on. That reminds me of I was I visited my friend the other weekend in Kansas City and she just got engaged. So she was going wedding dress shopping. And so we were all like, let's just wear like a flowy summer dress. And I was like, cool. Well, I don't have any like flowy, comfortable, like. I was with friends who I know that I can wear whatever and they don't like, 
they, I just feel so comfortable around them, but it's like, all my dresses are tight. And they, again, like accentuate the smallest part of me, which is like my rib cage. And that is uncomfortable. And so I went to target and I got, they have a bunch of like loose flowy dresses and I bought one and I tried it on and I was like, oh my gosh, this makes me feel even, you know, makes me feel really big. Well, I ended up wearing that one because I put it on and they told me, they were like, you look so comfortable in that. And it's like, I never, ever, ever would have worn that. Like I never would have picked it out in the store. So I like that. That's like part of the way that you do this <laughs> because I think yeah. I kind of tried that out the other weekend, which is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. First steps. Um, and I do feel like for me, I, I truly believe in my heart that getting dressed and, you know, going shopping should be fun it shouldn't be stressful. I don't want people to be upset when they leave. I mean, it's okay. Sometimes that happens, but for the most part, for the majority, I want it to be fun. And I want it to be, um, even sometimes an adventure. It can be exciting. Right. Mm -hmm. So then after we start experimenting, like, do you find with people that you work with that they just naturally, they try things on that they normally wouldn't wear. Some of the things they probably still wouldn't wear, but other things are like, oh, I actually feel okay in this. And they just start like gravitating to more of that, like in the stores or how do you find that transition kind of happens? Yeah. And that's, I feel like where I can be a big help too, is once you start to pick out a couple things that you like, I can kind of play off of that and say, okay, well, this is kind of a similar style that you might also try this and try it with these pants or these shoes um, and just kind of continue to develop more and more. And I do think that it, it is constantly evolving so that, you know, we talk about that pendulum, right? Swinging back and forth. I don't necessarily want it to stop anywhere, right? I maybe, it, maybe it doesn't swing quite as high and low, but it, it still moves a little, right? I still want to push you a little bit outside your comfort zone from time to time, just so you don't get bored and you don't, you don't feel like you're stuck in a box of, oh, well, I only wear the, these types mm-hmm. of, of clothes. Black, um, white, and green. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Or I only wear like this brand of, of pants. And, you know, for some people that having that decision already made can be very helpful, but then I still push you to experiment then in like your accessories, or maybe it could be even um, your, your jackets or your shoes, things like that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause in, in my head, I was thinking, okay, after I go try on things, what do I do next? And I was thinking like, I would need some support. I think yeah. so. I love that. Yeah. That's really where like you come into play in terms of kind of working people through the process of maybe try this or, you know, this sort of thing and not feeling like it's all okay. Now that you found something that you normally wouldn't think that you would feel good in, you don't have to just keep buying only that. Like there's room, you know, cause then we get yeah. into another corner. Um, I, I think that's so cool. I definitely encourage too. you know, once you do find things that you like also go through your closet and decide, first of all, I would say, get rid of anything that is uncomfortable. Like comfort should be your bare minimum minimum. I'm going to keep this right. So if it's not comfortable, I say, get rid of it. Um, and then take these new items that maybe you've experimented with and been surprised by and, and try them on with some different things in your closet and see how you could make it into an outfit that you would feel good about. And then I also encourage, you know, once you kind of do that experimentation or what I call like playing in your closet, um, it's really, I mean, you're playing dress up essentially, <laughs> um, take some pictures 
And that way too, if you are in a rush, maybe getting ready for work or you're going to an event or something, you can go back and look at those photos and say, oh yeah, I did like those two together. This would be good for today. Mm, that's a good idea. Like oh. having your own photo album. <laughs> yeah. Of, like your own fashion magazine of yourself. Exactly. In your actual <laughs> that's so smart. Yeah. I'm curious for like folks who maybe don't have the means necessarily to like go out and purchase clothes. Is there a way that they can still try this out with their own clothes like in their own closet? Absolutely. So I definitely encourage getting creative in your own wardrobe. And I think especially over this, you know, time during the pandemic when a lot of stores were closed and we weren't really going out and shopping for fun. I mean, a lot of people are shopping online, but personally, I like to be in a dressing room and try things on. I don't, I don't want it in my house until I'm sure that I like, <laughs> I like it. Um, so I think that was a time to start to get really creative and start to put, put things together that I wouldn't normally put together. And so maybe that's for people who don't want to go out and buy something new, first, get rid of all the things that are uncomfortable. And then once you're, you kind of narrowed it down, take two things out, um, and that you wouldn't normally ever put together and try them on. And again, you're going to laugh because sometimes it will look ridiculous, but, every, <laughs> <laughs> but you'll also surprise yourself by thinking, oh my gosh, I would have never thought to put this together. And look at that. I've just created an entire new, new look. Um, and then I, I do think that you can make changes to your own clothes too. Like there are people out there who have um, tutorials about how to kind of alter some of your clothing, um, even just t-shirts. Like a lot of people have like, here's how I cut my t-shirts to make them, you know, more me and more, you know, unique. So I've done some of that in the past. Um, people will do like embroidery on t-shirts and things. And so you can get really creative with it. And just depending on how, how much you want to learn or maybe how much you already know how to do, um, it can be really fun. Mm. I like that what you said about First, get rid of all the things that, again, you don't feel comfortable in because again, in my, I'm, I'm applying, you're like coaching me right now. I'm applying <laughs> what you're saying to my life. And I'm thinking that there's probably so many clothes in my closet that when, when I go to get dressed, it's like overwhelming because versus if I just narrow down the options, if I got mm -hmm. rid of the things that didn't feel good, that I didn't feel good in, or like my body wasn't comfortable in it would be a lot easier to pick out two things and like pair them together versus picking out something that I don't feel good in. And then like a jacket that I do feel good in, but then I don't feel good in it together because <laughs> the one thing I don't feel good in. So I can, yeah, this is like, that is so such a good, such a good point. Yeah, definitely bare minimum. You want to, you want to feel comfortable because otherwise it's going to throw off any other feeling. Just like you said, even if it's a, a jacket, you feel good in that, that shirt's going to throw off the whole vibe. <laughs> and that's all you're going to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, I don't know if it was before we started recording or not, but just kind of like the creativity piece or like being a little bit more daring with your, with your style. And I feel like that comes back to like the pendulum. Like you don't mm. want to be like super comfortable all the time. It sounds like, yeah. um, how, how can we do that? Like, is that again, just like starting with something that we wouldn't normally wear, or is it like a small accessory or something like that? Or how do you put in that creativity and like the daring, the fierceness? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there are a couple ways I feel like people can go about this. Uh, and I do encourage 
not just when you're kind of starting to develop that personal style that you play in your closet, but, but do it frequently, you know, because you're always going to come up with new things and um, you'll be surprised at how diverse you can, you can expand your closet essentially. Um, but then I would also say you can, you can start to use tools like Pinterest. I think that is a great tool to use to just get some inspiration and, you know, maybe you see something that you really like and you want to try and recreate it. It can be out of what you have. Maybe you tweak it a little bit. Um, another thing that I do, I don't know if you are familiar with the feelings wheel. Oh, from intuitive eating. Okay. Yeah. Is I don't there know one? if it's from intuitive eating, but it's I think like, they are linked. Yeah. <laughs> Something so, like that. I remember it's like, I I'm working, I'm getting certified right now as an intuitive eating counselor. And it's in like my handouts that I don't think they created it, but I think they refer to it. That's what it is. Yes. I, well, it's funny you say that because I'm pretty sure the registered dietitian I worked with, she's the one who introduced me to it as oh, well. Nice. <laughs> so I always link them together myself. Um, but it's essentially for people who don't know, it's just the circle. It's exactly what it sounds like. It just has a bunch of different feelings or emotions listed in the circle. And it's, for me, it's really helpful because it just gives language to what it is that I'm feeling in my body. And that can be a really powerful tool, but you can also use it as part of your style. And I've tried to do this more lately where I look at the wheel, I kind of like keep it near my closet and I can like pick out a way that I want to feel. And then I can kind of build an outfit based around that word or that feeling. And that can be really fun, right? Um, it can be its own like little style challenge. That is so fun. I really like that. Like I'm feeling well, every day it's enthusiastic. <laughs> I, that is so cool. And again, I love that it's linking back to that, like kind of interoceptive awareness or just like how we feel like linking it back to, again, with movement, it, you know, coming back to how it feels in our body with food, how it feels in our body, even with our clothes, like, how do I want to feel coming back to ourselves and like that mindfulness piece of it? So I love, yeah. I love that idea. My, yeah. My niece and nephew, my sister actually bought them this like massive, um, she was on the podcast, my sister, Leslie, a lot of listeners know her, this massive feelings wheel and they have it in their playroom because she's working with my um, five-year-old nephew, Cam, on like, how are you feeling? Can you name your feeling? Like, instead of just like getting angry, it's like, what are you feeling? And he's like, sad or confused. And it's, oh, it's just so cute. So yeah. That's awesome. I love the implementation with children and with style. <laughs> That's so, so versatile. Yes, exactly. Oh, cool. So many areas of your life you can, you know, I used to keep it on my fridge and move to my closet, you know, <laughs> just hang it up so you can access it at any time. That's so I should cool. probably make it like my background on my phone or something. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. Like totally in tune with my feelings, even before I get on social media, how am I feeling? Like, that could be Right. Good, that could actually be really exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just, just annoy people around you and just constantly letting them know yeah. how you feel. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, before I want you to have some space to talk a little bit more about the style worthy um, course that you have, I'm curious, and maybe this, this will weave into it a little bit. I'm curious, what are some of the common struggles that the people you work with um, that they express to you? And again, maybe that you can talk more about that as it relates to the course too. Sure, sure. So definitely body image comes up right away because diet culture is so dang pervasive um, and it's everywhere. I feel like it's a very common issue that especially women um, deal with. I know a lot of men deal with that as well. 
Um, but in my course in the past, we have historically had mostly women. So um, yeah, so a lot of issues around body image and around that tying into kind of self-worth. And that's kind of why I decided to name the course Style Worthy was because I want you to feel like you are worth it. You're, you're worthy no matter what your body looks like, what size, it's, what size it is, uh, what your skin looks like, um, how big your feet are. In my case, I have really big feet. Uh, <laughs> right, you're, <laughs> you're still worthy of wearing things that are going to make you feel good. And so that, that definitely is something we touch on a lot in the course and probably the biggest reason why I decided to create that course. Um, another issue, I mean, I definitely come up with a lot of people saying they don't know where to start with developing style, just like you were talking about. Um, and then the third issue I do see a lot is kind of the imposter syndrome which I do feel like for me was an issue in the past of just feeling like, well, who am I to dress this way? Or I'm not stylish or I'm not fashionable. So I could, I would never try that on, or I would never put that in my closet. Um, or even the thought of like, who am I to put effort into dressing myself nicely every day or whatever nicely means to you, but putting effort into how I look. Um, and I just, I, always come back to like, who are you not to? Because this is your one finite, precious life. And you have the opportunity every day when you open your closet to either fill it with more joy and more excitement or to make it a sense of, of stress and you're opening your closet be kind of something you dread. <laughs> so in my mind, you should always pick, you know, more joy. So I try to help clients through that as far as understanding that other people's opinions of what you're wearing is not a good reason to decide what to buy and what to add to your closet. Um, so definitely something that I can say I still struggle with. And I think a lot of people do, uh, but the more that we kind of intuitively get in touch with how we're feeling and, and also who we are, the more confident I felt about what I put on my body. Mm, that reminds me of what you said earlier about the two questions you asked yourself were like, who made these rules? And I forget what the second one was already. I, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> and then I get to decide, am I going to apply this to my life? Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. I'm going to take that with me literally everywhere I go. Like <laughs> not just with the clothes I wear, but everything. Yeah. I have a funny story actually that kind of relates to that, that just happened today. Um, so it's, I was at the eye doctor earlier today and I had a dress on and I like on my way there, I was like, Oh shoot, I haven't shaved my legs. Like, oof, I should have checked that out before I left the house. But then it was a kind of like, who decided that I needed to do that in order to put this dress on? And am I not just as worthy with hair on my legs as I am without hair on my legs? Right. And I should still be able to put this dress on and feel good and not feel like I have to cover my legs up just for that sole purpose of having a little bit of hair on there. Yeah. And that's completely a female beauty standard, like mm -hmm. totally a female beauty standard and hairless <laughs> must all be hairless humans and so many other things. I love that. Such a, such a relatable example right now with <laughs> it being like 95 degrees outside. Yes. Um, <laughs> Tell us more about Style Worthy. Um, I know, isn't it, a, it's a four-week course, is that right? 
That's right. It's a four-week course where we really dive into our own stories about body image and our own histories with, you know, the stories we've created and these ingrained beliefs we have about ourselves. And then we also do talk about diet culture and beauty standards and where did these things come from? And do we want to continue to adhere to that way of life or can we start to challenge some of that? Um, and then we kind of tie it all together by figuring out how does this apply to the clothing that I'm currently putting on my body and how do I want to change that? Um, and so we have some fun style challenges that we go through. And then we also have some guest speakers come in and share their own expertise about things like diet culture, as well as personal style and things like that. So it's a ton of fun. There's, you know, a very big community aspects to it. A lot of, we kind of have our own group sharing page where you can, you know, post your style challenge and, and share things um, that you're learning along the way. And so I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. This is like, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of anything like style worthy until you reached out to me you know, to be a guest speaker, which by the way, thank you so much. I feel, I feel so honored now that I've gotten to connect with you twice and just know how brilliant you are about all this. Um, but I think, I think it is amazing. Like I love the tie because as you've mentioned, diet culture is so pervasive and it's not just in our food and our movement or the clothes that we wear or the beauty standards. It's, you know, it's in everything that we do. And I think the more that we can make those connections and have people like you that are, experts in those two areas and can connect them and then teach the rest of us, like how we can make those changes. I think it's so powerful. Um, does it, does it then go like, is it like a rolling basis? Like anybody can sign up at any time or do you have certain launch dates? If that makes sense. I do have, um, launch dates. So we just finished up a course this summer. So I'll probably be launching again towards the end of September for those of you that are interested would love to see you there. You can, I'll post everything on my Instagram about how to kind of sign up and, and learn more about it there. Yeah. And so where can we find you on Instagram or elsewhere? Yeah. So my Instagram is at best.dressed.self. And that's where I put all of the info about personal styling services, as well as my course style worthy. And I give out some freebies there as well. Awesome. And I'll include the links to your Instagram and the show notes for anybody too. So I always like to drop it in there. So okay. amazing. I feel like I just got like a free coaching session from <laughs> that's great. Oh, I'm so glad this has been so amazing. Um, again, something that I am not super familiar and comfortable with, you know, when it comes to style and I love how it intersects with everything that I do, you know, and it's so cool to know that there's some of the ways that I've been feeling, and I'm sure that some of the ways listeners have been feeling that I don't even realize it's rooted in like diet culture and body image when it comes to the clothes that I put on my body. Um, so I thank you so much, Erin, for your time and your expertise and just all that you do. I think the work that you're doing is so huge and massively important. So thank you for being you and doing what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you so much, Haley. It was a pleasure. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Give Them the Bird. If you aren't already, be sure to go give Erin a follow over on Instagram at best.dress.self. I will see you back here in two weeks for another episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird. <laughs>